It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today we have two special guests. Uh, we're going to do a little bit differently today than what we normally would do. Um, as most of you guys know through my Instagram, I ran the Hell Creek 100K last weekend. And when I got done, I was like, hey, let's do a podcast. And so, you know, here we are a week later, um, exactly a week later from the Hell Creek 100K. Um, and I have the race directors, Chase and Casey Hammond live on the podcast welcome to welcome thank you thank you i can't believe it's already been a week I, that blows my mind when you said that because yeah. it seems like it was two days ago maybe yeah. it's because we just got organized again but i i feel like yeah. i'm just now getting over the heat <laughs> so yeah. it's it does yeah. seem like that it's been uh it oh my gosh that heat was something else it was it was that my was coach my coach always tells me that I am cursed because every single race that I have gone to, whether it be in January or October, uh, I guess this one wasn't September, but um, it, it's always stinking hot. And I like, what is going on? Like, I'm I'm going to run a winter race up here in Alaska this year, and if it's ninety degrees, I'm I'm throwing in the towel. <laughs> <Just> retiring. <laughs> throwing in the towel. Well, it's funny because. The every year that we've had this race, it's been hotter and hotter every year for some reason. Like we picked this time of year because it's supposed to be beautiful. And like the first year was like 70s, overcast, absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Last year was 80 something, no wind. Yeah, 85. It should have got warm. Uh-huh. And then this year is in the 90s with like 40 mile per hour. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> I um so I, I heard someone at the aid station say that they went out on the rocks. Uh, with a thermometer and they said that it was over a hundred on the rocks and I was like I do I do believe that I do believe it 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 got really really hot and yeah that wind was something sneaky too I think that the wind actually helped out because it Mm -hmm. it did cool it a little bit um you know you pretty much had a blow dryer in your face but yeah Yeah. it did cool it a little bit um Mm -hmm. but yeah you're right it was uh it was stinking hot and then what's it this weekend is probably 60 60s. degrees yeah yeah <laughs> yes exactly uh, exactly i'm telling you because it was uh, because i was there that's why it was hot <laughs> yeah we in, we ended up with uh you probably saw my facebook post but among ultra runners we ended up with a 57 percent dnf rate in that's that a, race i mean hot. it's a tough it's a tough course and then that heat just makes it absolutely brutal so Anyone who finished that race, yourself included, should be extremely proud. You were like a machine, man. Every yeah. time you came through, you just didn't even seem phased. I mean, you, you had a great <laughs> attitude the whole time. To, yeah. And we saw some saw some rough people out there. One time, Hell Hill Aid Station. I mean, it was appropriately named. It, it looked like carnage. hell up there. Carnage. <laughs> it did look like carnage up there. And uh, you guys actually have live stream from your races. And I respected your decision to turn the live stream off live stream yeah. off and mm-hmm. um you know with, with your little post that you said uh, someone told me later i wasn't on facebook while i was running the race but <laughs> someone told me sure? that <laughs> yeah well that's <laughs> let's be honest yeah maybe i was a little <laughs> but uh someone told me you you know you made the mention that uh you know our race directors and our or you guys and our volunteers need to focus on the runners as opposed to the live stream and i, I respect mm-hmm. that a lot and you know your aid stations um it was it was a smaller one comparatively to other you know races that I've been to, but 
holy crap your volunteers were amazing um and, and you know that's what makes the race is the volunteers absolutely um and yeah. you know sometimes you have volunteers that have no idea what they're doing and they're just mm -hmm. out there because they're filling a spot and yeah. you come in and you're filling your own water and they're just sitting there chit-chatting but they were so proactive as soon as we came in they were grabbing our bottles like what do you want in this one what do you here have a seat what can we get for you and like that makes or breaks a race and um, it, it 100% made your race for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We take a lot of pride in our volunteers, even on our races, like point to point races, like cowboy and stuff. We try to go stay ahead of all the runners and help volunteers set up and kind of just know what, let them know what they need to do for the runners. You yeah. Because once in a while we will get people that are, Never done it before. Never done it before. They're excited about doing it, but they might not have the best idea of how to best do it. So, you know, we try to meet with them before before we start and get all those things ironed out. That so. being said, the Hell Hill people are all very experienced. Yes, they were. My parents and then Jonathan Prosser and Justin Newhouse, they all have a lot of experience in this. So it was it's nice though to just be able to be like, this is your aid station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I liked it. And then you had doctors up there too. And I would, you know, you had a doctor and a <laughs> practitioner. And so I was like, yeah. you know, I don't know if they were actually part of the volunteers or if they were just well, there for other runners, but they jumped in and they were getting their hands yeah. dirty. And yep. you know, it's just like, that's, that's what this community is about is about. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think you're talking about Brian, and he was actually there to pace another runner, and also volunteer, and also volunteer. Yep. His wife also volunteered too. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Well, let's get into uh, Hell Creek a little bit. Um, since since I ran it and you race directed, it's kind of a, a different perspective of it. And so, um, let let's just kind of dive into you know what made you want to do a race out there and you know, just, just talk us through it. And then maybe I'll, I'll jump in every once in a while with where I suffered. And <laughs> yeah. so what made us want to do it, and this was actually the first race we ever directed. Mm -hmm. And we really had no intention of directing anymore when we started Hell Creek. Um, the reason we started it is because we lived in Hayes for what do we live in Hayes? 15, 15 years, years or so. And that was the closest trail that I could actually go to and get any decent elevation training or um, technical-ish. It's it's not very technical, but yeah, I let, mean, it's let, as technical as you can find pause, around them. Let me pause right there on the elevation. Yeah. <laughs> I think when I came in and finished, I was like, Chase, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> was what I watched is that far off or was the the website a little bit off we're thinking maybe the hell hill up and down every well that wouldn't add it that yeah. much um i got i got 3500 over what the website says 3500 on my i've ran it with my phoenix uh seven on the most accurate settings several times and always ends up a little over two it varies between about 2000 2100 feet of loop for me and that's also consistent with like what the Mountain Bike Association says. Okay. It is yeah. So it, must, it must have been my watch then. Yeah. It was definitely. But I had, I had, it was, wasn't just you who said that. I mean, some, some other people have said that in previous years as well. So, I mean, you never know. I don't know how they measure it. Um, I know what my watch says, but that's, that's about all I can tell you on that. Yeah. <laughs> We've never done a loop on like Gaia just to map it out. Yeah. And see what Gaia that. says. But well, just know if you go run Hell Creek that you're going to get somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 feet per loop. <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
Oh, sorry. I just had to poke some fun there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just like extra miles. You know, if you if you're running 100 or something like that and you get 105, it's like, well, those are bonus miles. And <laughs> that's exactly, exactly what you bonus said to me. It's like well, you got some burn, bonus Bert. So there you go. Exactly. And we don't <laughs> charge for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we lived in Hayes. So I'd go out there and train a lot. And I had done at the at the time we finally decided to pull the trigger on Hell Creek. I had done most of the trail races in Kansas. Um, and I just felt like Hell Creek was such an awesome course that someone needed to be putting a race on there. So it might as well be us. And and so that's kind of what started Hell Creek. We said that for about three years before we finally said, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Because um, it's, very, it's very different than the other um, trail races in Kansas in, in that it is totally exposed. You're not going through uh, trees most of the time. Uh, and so, like I said, our intention wasn't to keep building on races after that. It was just to put that one on for fun and kind of be done with it. Uh, keep grinding away at, at the jobs that we had. But after that race, we're like, Oh, this was so much damn fun that we, we want to put an, on another one out here. So yeah. that led the eternal damnation, which is our last man standing out there. And that was so much fun. We're like, let's do another one. And that led to the sticks, the sticks which is out at her uh, family's farm. And then it's just uh, snowballed from there. Yeah, that's so related quickly. That's kind of the story behind why we chose Hell Creek mm -hmm. and, and how our race business got started, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, So I, I think I registered for the inaugural year of Hell Creek. And yep. uh, you had a very good deferral <laughs> option for me. Uh, the first year I was still injured from my my first hundred miler. And so, yeah, there was no way I was going to limp for 100K. And then last year um, I'm in the military and the military moved me, moved me. And it just worked out that I could fly back from Alaska this year and, and get her done finally. And I'm, I'm sure you're ready for me to stop messaging you about deferring <laughs> left and right. So no, no, no. like if I ever see this guy pop up again, he's running this race. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was a, it was a great race. Um, three twenty ish mile loops. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I had a really good time. Um, one thing that I kind of wasn't ready for was the rockiness of that trail. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I, I was not ready for that. And I didn't, I, I really didn't prepare when it came to, um, uh, doing my research on the race. <laughs> Let's yeah. just say that <laughs> I didn't really know how hot it was going to be, but I brought everything for heat just for the fact that I've been training in 20 and 30 degree weather. But oh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't, um, I wasn't ready for the rocks. It was a pretty rocky course. It is. It was. And we get a lot of people that are very surprised at that. In fact, we get a lot of people that'll come out from Colorado or an, another state and they come to Kansas thinking this would be a good first hundred mile race because it'll be easy. It's in Kansas. It's it'll loose. be flat. It won't be technical. And they come out and they are they are very shocked when when they find out how difficult it actually is. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh let, let's jump down into your background a little bit. I'm assuming, you know, you have a little bit of ultra running, if not maybe a lot of ultra running experience. Um, you know, you don't have a, you know, a 5k, 10k marathoner that jumps in and say, you know what, let me create a hundred miler. And yeah. <laughs> so I would assume that you, you have some ultra running experience. So walk us down that a little bit. Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of first marathon, I believe was in 20, 2014 and Colorado Marathon. And at that point, I, I saw a guy with a Leadville 100 shirt on. 
And I didn't know what that was. I, I was like, I, I didn't even know what ultra running was at that point. But I remember thinking it can't, it can't be a run, but I looked it up when I got home and it was a run through the Rocky mountains, a hundred miles. And I'm like, that is, that is crazy. And so <laughs> I said, eventually I want to run a hundred miler. I had no, I no idea how long it might take at that point. Uh, but I set the goal for three years and I got it done in three years. The first one was the, the Hawk 100. And that was actually my second 100 as well. And then that was that uh, one's in Kansas too. Yeah, that's okay. in Lawrence. It's a fantastic that's race. It's okay. so awesome. And from there, I went to Moab 240. I think that was, I, I did a couple. Well, I mean, I worked my way through the distances, 50K, 100K, uh, or 50K, 50 mile, 100K. Did a couple 50Ks in there, and then my first 100. And then uh, bumped up to the 240. <laughs> just and... right off the bat, like, you know, I got a hundred mile. Let me just jump right up to the 240. Yeah, just do another 140. Yeah. yeah, he did that though. Like he did a 5K and then straight to a marathon. Yeah. So, like... Perfect. <laughs> I, I don't At think first... Robbie has never done a marathon before. I haven't either. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever do one again. I mean, yeah. as far as like a road Yeah, marathon. I'll never do a road marathon. I did yeah. do a trail marathon, marathon. Uh, in prep for the 100K, but it was a trail marathon. So like, I think trail, trail marathon, yeah, that was okay. That was acceptable. Way different than a road marathon yeah that was my that was my one and only the the colorado marathon it was fun and everything but the trails are where it's at for me i I got into ultra running because i love hiking so much you know that's really what what got me into it in the first place i'd come out to colorado on vacations and and knock out 14ers and and go on backpacks and stuff like that and it just totally kicked my ass every time i did it and so i wanted to get in better shape and so i basically went home and started running just in preparation for those and uh found out i love trail running and that's that's kind of where that all stemmed from my background's way less cool i've only done a few races (laughs) (laughs) i'm still trying to decide whether i want to or not nice what all have you done (laughs) um i've done a couple time races and then i did um the pikes peak 50k just this last july oh okay so and yeah. I've also done that one. It's, it's a good race in yeah. Colorado Springs. Yeah. yeah. I haven't done too much. Yeah. I'd rather just like backpack and hike for my job as, as a runner. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what ultra running is, anyways, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So, yeah. Um, so, how many races have you guys grown? We have six. We have six races working on the seventh. Yeah. So, and, and you have uh, two. You have two 200s, and mm-hmm. can I dare say you have a third on the way? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Working on it. Working on it. Yeah. yeah. Two, yeah. two point to point 200, zero repetition, one in Nebraska on the Cowboy Trail and one in uh, Missouri. This will be the inaugural year for that one. That one's on the Katy Trail. So off limits to automobiles and stuff like that, point to point, moving aid stations, uh, moving sleep bags sleep stations the whole work similar to how you know the triple crown races and races like that do it obviously a lot different terrain and then as you mentioned we are working on uh one out here in colorado in summit county uh breckenridge area okay. and that one would be a 200 mile loop zero repetition uh race so a totally different ball game it, it would be extremely it would be a very difficult race i think it would be right up there with the most difficult 200s in the in the US, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, our planned route for that one um, 
the lowest elevation of the entire route is over 9,000 feet, mm -hmm. which there's nothing else like that right now, as far as 200s are concerned, zero repetition 200s at least. Um, and, and it would go over 13,000 feet on, three, on three different times. occasions. Um, with a total elevation gain uh, throughout the 200 of uh, about 42,000 feet is what it's looking like okay. right now. So Yeah, I was going to ask around 40, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. What, so um, we're working on that one. It's a totally different ball game trying to get uh, approved in Colorado compared to a uh, rail trail where one entity owns the entire trail compared to we're national, going through forest. national forest, different national forests, and we're going through different towns and, and all that stuff. But we are confident uh, we're going to get it done. Um, we're going to put everything we have into getting it done. We're actually headed to Summit County um, on Monday, we're going to stay in Summit County Monday through Friday and try to get 150 miles of that route done. Um, check it out and then plan with some towns as well. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. What was your what uh, stepping back a little bit to your cowboy and your Katie? What was your desire to do a rails to trail point to point? Well, a lot of it stemmed from my love for the 200 mile distance. Um I just love that distance because it feels like more of an adventure or a journey than it does a race almost. Uh, that was the vibe that I got after I did Moab. Uh, one guy described it really well a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who it was, but he said it almost feels like a pilgrimage. He, he said that at, at, at Cowboy. And so I wanted to, I wanted to get a piece of that. I wanted to try to do that. And also I knew that Nebraska doesn't have much races. Mm -hmm. And the Cowboy Trail just seemed like the perfect venue to do that since it is off limits to automobiles and we could just do a straight point to point and talk to one entity. Um, and additionally, it was just different than what really anyone else is doing as far as 200s are concerned. And I know that kind of trail wouldn't necessarily interest everyone, but we thought it was cool because we both grew up in very small towns. I'm from a town of 200. And oh, wow. she's from yeah, like 3,500. She's me. from a yeah. town of 3,500 in Kansas, you know. And this, the trail goes through towns like that. That's and cool. And so, so we're like, this feels like home to us uh, to a certain extent. And there's a lot of people that haven't been exposed to that type of Small community. Um, rural communities. Yeah. And one thing about it is the people from those communities are just the nicest people mm -hmm. you'll ever meet. And, mm -hmm. and that kind of makes cowboy. That's one thing that a lot of people leave saying is that the people are so nice and yeah. the communities are extremely supportive. They basically give us whatever we want, you know, in exchange for sponsorship or something like that. And I so. know that there were several people from different communities along the way this last year that like left gift baskets on the trail for all the runners just yeah. been like thanks for coming here here's a basket and like they had like bug spray wipes and water bottles some lady they like left out homemade cookies on the trail for everybody so like, yeah. you just don't see that other places yeah with people out there doing that kind of stuff yeah stop you're winning me over <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> i haven't done a 200 yet so well there's a hundred mile option for that so no well no trust me i'm i'm I got it on my list. I just <laughs> you can do it two hundred. A lot of people. I feel like a lot of people overestimate the two hundred mile distance, but we have a higher finisher rate for the two hundred at Cowboy than we do mm -hmm. one hundred. Mm -hmm. Really? Um, mm -hmm. It's eighty four hour cutoff compared to thirty two. You have time to totally 
fall apart, fall apart, and put yourself back together again. And and we see it a lot too. Yeah, we see it a lot. Exactly. You can literally sleep eight hours and and get back up and run to really high time one hundreds in a row. You know. So there's time to time to kind of pull yourself together a little bit. And in my experience, like with Moab, I didn't, my body was no more trashed after 240 than it was in any of my 100s mm-hmm. because uh, you're just going slower and yeah. the impact is so much less because so much of it is hiking. Um, it's, it's a mental game. I feel like more than anything with that dif- distance. Um so I, I just feel like anyone who can do 100 can do a 200. It's just a different strategy. You know, I have a lot of friends that have done 200s and I've, you know, picked my pick their brains. And a lot of them tell me they're like, you know, the 200 is way easier than 100 mile. And and that's it's, a hard yeah. thing to get my head around. Like, I know yeah. how difficult a 100 miler is. I've done mm-hmm. 100 milers that are fairly flat to hard rock qualifiers. So I know like, yeah. you know, they're a 100 mile, whether it be a flat 100 mile or hard rock qualifier, like they're both hard races because they're hundred mile races but right like, yeah you know it's um you know like but so it's just really hard to wrap my head around it saying that it's an easier race but i, I kind of get it you know like yeah. i was doing i was watching something from cocodona the other day and it, it said that you have to hike two miles an hour that's right yep. i mean obviously yeah. you're gonna sleep and stop but right. realistically mm-hmm. all you have to do is two miles an hour and i'm like what well, man that's that's totally doable right yeah, exactly yeah. the cutoffs are so much more generous like you said, the, the toughest part is wrapping your head around it. And that holds true during the race, in my opinion, as well. When you get to the 100 mile mark, knowing that you're only halfway done. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about the mileage can drive you crazy, you know, during the race. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like it's uh it's a mental game for sure. Now, um, I think I talked to you a little bit about your your 200 coming up this next couple of weekends. Uh, Katie, 200, yeah. right? You, you had a longer... Oh, it's a 225. Okay. Because I, I remember you talking about having a longer cutoff and I was wondering what the reason behind that was, but that makes sense. There's 25 more miles. So yep. Yep. That could yep. be a whole day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. At Cowboy, we see people putting in for the last section. I mean, the last section is a marathon without aid. Yeah. Marathon from the last aid station to the finish. And uh, we see some eight, 10 hour marathons at mm-hmm. that point, you know, pe- people are just so exhausted and destroyed. So yeah. lots of trail naps happening in that section. Yeah. yeah. I think a 10 hour marathon after you have 180 miles on your legs is pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> <laughs> What's the elevation gain in those? Is it, I mean, I know rails, the trails, you know, they're, they say they're flat, but they, you know, they have some pretty good, pretty good elevation to them sometimes. Cowboy is about uh, 2,200 feet, so about one one loop of Hell Creek over the whole 200 miles. Yeah, that's uh, that is flat. <laughs> I mean, it's as flat as a pancake, and most of that actually comes in our reroutes because there's some downed bridges in there, so we have to do some reroutes. Oh, okay. And there's some hills in those reroute sections. Next year, uh, supposedly, they will have those bridges fixed, and I don't think we'll have the reroutes, so that'll actually go down a little bit. Um when it comes to Katy, it's uh, significantly higher. I think it's about ten thousand feet, which is oh, still okay. not that much. But well, yeah, 10, over two hundred twenty-five miles. That's yeah, that's yeah, fifty feet a mile or something like that. That's not yeah. yeah. And most of it's looks like most of it's in the first yeah. Half, most too. of it's in the first third about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lived in South Dakota, and they have the um, 
the rails the rails the trail out there the the mickelson trail yeah um what lean horses on it is it is that's yeah. what lean horses mm-hmm. on and it, it gets um it, it gets some elevation to it I, I think i've ran a 50k out there just out there running with some friends and i got like three or four thousand just in a 50k so mm-hmm. it can get yeah. it can get pretty crazy out there at times too but mm-hmm. so I, yeah that's one, one thing i was just wondering but yeah 2200 over 200 miles that's uh <laughs> that's pretty almost amazing. unnoticeable yeah <laughs> that's pretty amazing <laughs> yeah I would honestly be like, where is the hill so I can walk a little bit? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It would it honestly good. drive me nuts because, I mean, I want the hills. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want flat the whole time. It's kind of weird since we put on a few really flat races, but uh, there's a lot of people that love the rail trails and they they want to run flat all the time. But. For me, it's it gets in my head. I'm like, I have been looking at this same tree for hours and I don't feel like I've got there yet. Yeah. So like for me, it's way harder mentally to run something flat. That's the same the whole time that it is. Yeah. That would be mentally tough. Very, yeah. Everyone said like they would just pick out a tree, run, get to that tree, pick out another tree, get to that tree. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Do you guys think that you will eventually abandon some of your other races and focus solely on the two hundreds? Since um, you'll have, I mean, I, you'll have three of them essentially next year. I don't want to abandon any of our other races. Um, they're pretty near and dear to us. Kind of our babies. Yeah. yeah. And so I think before we did that, if we got to the point where we felt like we couldn't handle um, what we had anymore, we would probably try to maybe hire an RD to kind of help with those, get, yeah. get out there early, mark the courses, um, do a lot of the work outside of the race. And we would still try to be there for every race. But right now, that's not even really a thought for us um, down the road. If we did get um, if we get the summit and we'll reevaluate from there. Yeah. Yeah, I was out there. I was out there, you know, while I was running Hill Creek and I was like, you know what? They could easily do this one as a 200 as well. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm sure you guys have thought about that. But gosh, People can you imagine the carnage in that one? <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. Yeah, we could do it. Ten laps. You know, like logistically, though, that would be the easiest two hundred we would put on. Yeah, we don't easy. have to go anywhere the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be tough because you would have to have those aids. St- oh, I mean, I guess you couldn't have the aid stations because typical two hundreds, you know, twenty miles is pretty normal in between. Exactly. If you yeah. just set up one, and then once your other ones come online, then boom, you got a halfway aid station now. But yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be a tough one. Yeah, it would. It would. <laughs> that would be yeah i mean but it wouldn't be as tough as you know some of the 200s out there but um yeah your aid yeah. stations wouldn't have to move i mean cowboy yeah. and katie and the zero repetition uh 200s logistically those are a whole different ball game because aid stations have to move and no aid stations sees repeat runners you know you hit the aid station once and you're done there so and, which is why a lot of the reason that you have such long distances between eight stations yeah. in, but at the same time we really love the idea of you traveling long distances between eight stations even if that wasn't the case because it's you're just self-sustained for so long and yeah. then i think that's a cool thing requires a lot more planning yeah between eight stations so so talk- like it kind of levels it between like crude and uncrewed like you can still our aid stations provide a lot of help at those aid stations. So like what happens to you between those two aid stations is on you. Yeah. A lot more than like where you have eight miles between aid stations or six miles. 
a lot more can happen and you have to deal with a lot more between those. Yep. What kind of, uh, what kind of aid are you providing in your two hundreds that you maybe wouldn't provide in your, you know, hundred K hundred miles. So we have menus, um, basically after the first dates that you basically after 50 miles in both of them, we have different hot food that we make at each one. And, and so we'll put the menus in the runner's manual. And then I guess the main difference, we'll, we'll still have all the normal running food as well on top of that. But then the other big difference is that we'll have sleep stations and we actually rent or trade in exchange for sponsorship, a lot of indoor facilities for sleep stations and things like that. Like as far as Cowboy is concerned, um, we use uh, an old train depot at mile uh, 60 or 80-ish in O'Neill. And then we use the Atkinson Community Center. That's a sleep station at about mile 100. And then we have a pool hall in Newport. Uh, about 130-ish. And then we also have a bunkhouse that we rent out the entire bunkhouse has uh, 10 rooms in it with a shower between each rooms. Bed, bathroom. Yeah, with a shower and bathroom between each room and each room has a separate bed. So it's a, just an awesome sleep station. So that's that's kind of the main thing that we do as far as the difference between aid stations between a point-to-point -point 200 and our normal races. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, like, I think a lot of people see a 200 and they look at the price tag on them um, and that, you know, that's, that sometimes is a concern, but yes. I think people, what they don't realize is they, you, you are getting so much more and you guys are yeah. there for so much longer um, providing yes, right. that type of aid. Um, and, and I'm not speaking for you cause I haven't even looked at your prices, but you know uh -huh. um, I, I think they're completely justifiable as, as far yeah. as, you know, what you're paying versus what you're getting. So, and, and you're getting, I agree a lot mm -hmm. of times, a, you know, a full menu of stuff. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cowboy, we try to keep that race uh, in each of our first three years. Um, we're keeping it below 500 for the 200, um, which is, which oh, is, wow. That is uh, basically that's unheard extremely of as as, low. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. I mean, when you compare the other ones, I, and I realize they're mountain races, I'm not saying yeah, they're totally crazy. comparable, but you know, you're looking at 14, 1500 bucks for yeah. the triple crown races and Cocodon and, and things like that. And there's even some other rail trail 200s that, um, that are well above 800. So, um, we're, we're trying to keep it affordable for people as much as we can. So, yeah, yeah that's, I, I'm honestly surprised by that because I, I would have expected eight to a thousand just for the amount mm -hmm. of amount of work that you put in, not just for like having yourself being paid, but, mm -hmm. you know, having that full menu and offer and all that and renting all those bunkhouses and, and, and doing all that work. And, you know, that, that adds up, you know, and adds mm -hmm. up. Yes. and then having insurance, I can't even imagine what insurance is with the 200 and all the runners. And so, yeah, it's uh kind of, that's crazy to me. That's, that's awesome though. I, I, I like hearing that. We like to, we try to make it a point to try to make those two really affordable mm -hmm. options for people. Colorado will almost certainly be significantly more just yeah. because it's going to cost significantly more. Like I mentioned, a lot of the communities in those small towns, they just love it that you're coming there. So they'll give you stuff. Mm -hmm. They'll give you aid stations. They'll give you indoor facilities for putting them on the T-shirt. And you're bringing a lot of businesses to really small towns that otherwise don't get a ton of business. Yeah. You know, you're talking Summit County in Colorado. 
They don't need, they don't need us, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're going to get. They're doing fine. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to get the people. 150 runners isn't gonna isn't gonna do much for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, Whereas, you think like, about that. I, you know, when we were out there at the at the race, the town we were staying in was Russell, and it was, you know, uh-huh. that's a pretty small town, but there was a couple runners there, and so I can imagine, you know, that they the hotels got beefed up a little bit, and they yep. were able to provide, you know, just things here and there and so I, I, yeah that is true what you you know you mm-hmm. do support those local communities when you're out there running yeah yep. well so our, our 100 mile for cowboy starts in atkinson which is a pretty small town they have one hotel and she sells out every year mm-hmm. in a time that she would never that would never happen in that time of year if it wasn't for this race so yep, and, yeah. I, and they appreciate that and that's yeah, why they're sure. so supportive of it for sure yep with a and you know, with the money thing, of course, we got to make some money. Otherwise, it can't happen. We, yeah. we can't do it. You know, otherwise, we got to get real jobs. <laughs> so you yeah. guys, you guys did actually. You quit your jobs, and this is your full time deal. Okay. Yes. Yeah, cool. Just last, last year. year. Yeah, just, just last, last year. year. Um, That's incredible. Working for yourself, I love it. It, it was terrifying. Awesome. <laughs> he says awesome. I said it was terrifying. <laughs> It, it is scary for sure. But, you know, the reason we put on the races and, and it will always be the reason is because we love being there and we love seeing people accomplish things that they previously might not have thought that they could accomplish. We live for the moments where people cross the line. Yeah. Me, me, me or Casey have never missed a finisher. One of us is always there. Mm-hmm. Eventually one of us has to sleep, but uh, we make it a point to always be at the finish line and greet every single runner at the end, because that's, that's what, uh, that's why we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to make a little money, but that that's really the reason right there. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to get rich. We're just trying to have a blast with our jobs and, and we are. So mm-hmm. yeah. do what you I love like and you'll know- never work a day in your life. Right? <laughs> exactly exactly yeah i like we like to like know everybody in the race so like try to get to know them get to know them a little bit so like we can recognize them as they're coming across yeah i think they didn't have any problem with me robbie with my bright colors (laughs) (laughs) and you know that goes a long way too for people to come back year after year Mm -hmm. Um, i think so there's a lot of big races no one knows your name no one you just pay your money show up and run it and yeah, and I think we both we both ran those kind of races, and yeah. it's just different. Yeah, I mean, it's just different. That's not what we want to do. Yeah, they're cool. I mean, yeah. I'll still run those kind mm-hmm. of races, but uh, it's more rewarding for us if if we get to know people. Mm-hmm. You know, every race we leave with a bunch of new friends, and, and that's pretty awesome. So yeah. Well, what I've noticed with the saturation of ultras, you know, throughout the United States, is either the the smaller races dissolve mm-hmm. and the bigger races become bigger and bigger, but it gets mm-hmm. to a point where the permits won't allow for that many runners. Then it becomes a money grab through mm-hmm. the race company and all that other stuff. Uh, myself, I would rather go to these smaller races and get to know the race directors. Like you're talking about the community, you know, some of these small little places, like you're saying, don't see people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all these crazy runners are coming through there. Then they're excited every year for the people mm-hmm. to come back. And yeah, <clears throat> that's what it's about building a community and not just so money hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. We've already had several businesses from Cowboy last year. Be like, we're so excited for next year. We want in next year. We want to do more next year. So that's yeah. always 
nice for us to know that like we're leaving a good impact on these places. Yeah. And Cowboys starting to get a little bit of traction. I'm seeing it around. I'm seeing some some pretty well known runners were out there this year. Yeah. Uh, Remo got second. Um, he did. Yeah. You talked to me about first place, but I didn't recognize his name. But um, yeah, you are you are getting some some bigger name runners out there, and so you know that's going to do nothing but help your help the race. You know. Exactly. I, I yeah, Beverly that. and Anderson Abs were out there, and yeah. Beverly, yeah, Alan Abs were out there, and uh, she's placed highly at Western States Mm -hmm. on a few different occasions. I I know top three uh, once, Mm -hmm. I believe. So, um, yeah. And Joe Fahey's, which is the course record holder now, and the the guy who who won it this year, he did sub 48, which is just wild. Hard to wrap your head around. Oh, my God. Uncrewed, too. He was on his own. Yeah, uncrewed. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Running screwed. Yeah. Exactly. He actually helped create Six Days in the Dome. Yeah. And and that's kind of from what I understand, that's kind of his background is those kind of races, timed races, mm-hmm. short loops, uh flat. He loves the flats, which Cowboy worked well for him because of that. But he what he had never done anything like this, where it was so long bef- between eight stations and stuff so like that. Um, yeah. But he he obviously killed it. He adapted very well. He did. Yeah. yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Two some twenty four hours. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I think he had ten minutes to spare. I think it was like forty seven fifty or something like that. Wow. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Oh, I'm sure he was grinding to get that. <laughs> yeah. He was, that was, yeah. He said he had he also something like scared him on. I can't remember what happened. Something scared him on the trail. He said he ran the last marathon the fastest that he ran or something like that. Too. <laughs> have you had some of the for the cowboy 200 some people you know around the triple crown come and run the cowboy yes yes we have several uh actually and not all of them finished either uh some of the triple crown races the people who finished the triple crown uh didn't get it done and uh a common theme for people who come from like the mountains or are used to training in the mountains, they say they come out there and it's just so flat that it just absolutely destroys them because they're not switching up what muscles they're using at all. Uh, they're just using the same muscles over and over and over again and um, leads to some IT and band geez. issues and various injuries, you know, um, depending on what you're used to. But yeah, but we've had we've had several of those. Mm-hmm. You, you, them, they have done it they got it done too though yeah absolutely yeah. becca walker becca, uh, yeah. she's done about every big 200 there is to do um she you pretty much answered the, the question i was gonna ask next <laughs> because the difference between you know some of these other ones with the elevation and the um profile and all that i was just wondering what the difference would be what they said from the the mountainous ones to a flat one yeah because they have to go into that totally different. I think myself, I would go out way too hard yep. and blow yep. up because it's so yep. flat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I'd have out. to figure it out. <clears throat> but you have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you started way too fast, you have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. We see a lot of that. See yeah. a lot of going out too fast for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who wanted in year one, he had a strategy from the very beginning, a walk run strategy. And, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think he ran a quarter, walked a quarter, ran a quarter, walked a quarter, ran a quarter. Something and he like basically that. did that all the way to the hundred mile point in Atkinson. At that point, he was, 
he was in first place. And I think he might have switched up his intervals a little bit after that. Um, but he he stayed with that uh, basically the entire race. I think that would be a pretty good strategy for a race like that to just mm -hmm. kind of switch it up. Whereas a mountain race, you're going to go based on, the you know, you, it's switching you up for you. Like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's yeah, really good walk run strategy on a mountain race because it's gonna have you walking up hill and <laughs> yeah, know, you're running uphill. I mean, well, you're already yeah. doing the walk run strategy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, talk us a little bit about the KD 200 coming up. What uh, when is it? October 23rd. Okay, October. Is it still so, uh, still open for registration? Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, closes on Wednesday. the tenth. Yeah, the tenth. Oh, okay. Well, good thing we're getting this out on Monday. Then. Yeah, two days. <laughs> That's right. Two days. You got two days to sign up if you're still listening to us. You got two days. Yeah. <laughs> That's you plenty get... of time to plan for something like that. Yeah, right. yeah. You could plan for a 200 in two days. You're like, yeah, yeah let's yeah. do it. For sure. Why not? That's Robbie, right. you want to go run a 200? You got two days. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe walk. Yeah, I'll put him on the yeah. put him on the spot. Ninety six hours, man. You can walk it. There you. There you go. There you go. Two hundred twenty five. We can't forget that last twenty five. Yeah, don't worry about that. So this is going to be kind of the same style, rails or trails. Um, yeah. You said a little bit more elevation, but you know, for the for the fact that you know, ten thousand feet over two hundred twenty five miles really isn't that much elevation. Yeah. Right. And uh, significantly different than Cowboy, though, in that the scenery is way different. There's not many trees on Cowboy. Um, basic, most of it looks the same on, oh, cow on yeah. Cowboy. Uh, whereas, Katie, you're running along the Missouri River for a lot of it. You're running alongside bluffs. There's a whole bunch of trees. And you start an hour and a half or an hour south of Kansas City in Clinton. Uh, so you got that you're close to a big city, whereas cowboy, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And then you end in St. Charles, which is basically a suburb of St. Louis. So you end in a big city. Um, so it's got a, it's got a different vibe to it for sure, yeah. which we, which we like, we don't want to put on two races that are almost the exact same. Yeah. Um, but There's going to be a lot more people on the KD trail. Whereas like yes. people who ran cowboys so don't see a whole lot of other people using the trail. Mm -hmm. Whereas like when we were out there planning Katie, we were there in February and it was packed on so, Sunday. So yeah, so hundreds of people out there. So I think that'll be cool for the runners to have people to talk to out there too. That was just a whole yeah. different experience. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. it's always good to have somebody that's maybe not running the race like to ask you what are you doing how far right? in? You, you're how many yeah. miles in yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly why do you look like a zombie walking <laughs> right <around there? laughs> yeah. uh, they just think we're like homeless people out there walking around asking <laughs> for, for sure. money yeah. like no i promise you i have plenty of food yeah. <laughs> yeah. we had a finisher at cowboy that i thought was they were walking up to bolo the finish line and I swear that they were a homeless person. I didn't know they were a finisher. Like I was talking to the photographers, like, what's this homeless person doing? Because they were all bundled up and carrying grocery bags, but it was literally one of our runners. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Here's your buckle. Yeah. Here's your buckle. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I am so sorry. I thought you were a homeless person. <laughs> That's great. Hey, speaking of buckles, um, your your hundred k buckle that I got is probably one of the coolest ones I've ever gotten. It's also the largest buckle I've ever gotten, and I really appreciate that. Some of these buckles you get, they're just like a tic tac, and you're like, I wear my buckles, 
I'm proud of my yeah. buckles. Um, you? Nice. I currently have the hundred K buckle on my belt right now. Nice. And so, yeah, I, nice. I like, I like wearing my buckles. And so I appreciate having a larger buckle. Um, you know, one that actually would hold my belt up and hold my pants up. So uh, yeah, of course. talk to me about <laughs> like the design of your buckles. Like I, you know, the hell Creek one obviously kind of speaks for itself with the way it looks, but run me through your other ones. So uh, for cowboy and Katie, first of all, our buckles change every year. So they're year specific and the design changes every year. We thought oh, that cool. would be really cool. So like, if you want to do it again, or if you want to try to get in there and do it every year, you're going to get a totally different buckle every year. Mm -hmm. And they're all big. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Hell Creek one's a four inch. I think Cowboys is, Cowboy and Katie's are four and a half inch buckles. So they're actually a little bigger than that one. Uh, but the designs are really cool. Um, the sticks, we've got all different sizes of buckles. Um, Eternal Damnation, we don't do buckles because it's a last man standing event, but we do, we burn mileage into a wooden plaque though. So each yeah. finisher gets like a custom finisher work with like their miles on it, which is pretty That's cool. Really cool. Chase, Chase literally like huddles in the trailer and burns it after the end of every movie. <laughs> like whoever doesn't finish. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but we try, awesome. we try to make really awesome buckles because mm -hmm. you guys work hard for them. So mm -hmm. you guys should get uh, get something pretty badass for, for finishing the race, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate that. You know, like I'm a swag kind of guy. Like I love the swag and you guys, you guys, you, you gave a swag. So I, I, <laughs> you know, I've, I've done other races before where it's, you know, they're cheaper races and you, you don't get it necessarily get a lot of swag, but you get it elsewhere, like aid stations and stuff like that. And so like, and yeah, and races were, or your race that I ran was extremely affordable, but you had killer aid stations and killer swag. So yeah. that's uh you know that's kind of hard to come by and i'm an honest guy i would tell you if you didn't have a good aid station or if you didn't have good swag, <laughs> i'm gonna let you know so uh good, good. You know, that's what we like yeah so um i i was blown away by both the swag and the um and and the aid stations and the buckles right? the buckles were incredible i was looking at that good. pure 140 i was like oh man that thing's gold that's awesome <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. but i and saw that carnage and i'm like nah i'm good <laughs> <laughs> i don't want any of that over double the mileage i just went no thank yeah, you yeah double the mileage on those rocks no i'm good yeah <laughs> yeah cowboy and katie we give um like for cowboy now we do puffy vests that everyone gets and Katie, we actually get puffy jackets. Mm -hmm. So uh, we we want to give more than just, I mean, if you race a lot, you get so many t-shirts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we want to give something that people will actually wear. Around. Yeah. And and now is that a finisher jacket or is that um, right? You, you enter the Everyone race. Everyone gets that. It. Okay. Everyone right. gets that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For so pure hell though, we do puffy vests for those who finish it. They get a custom with their name and pure hell 140 finisher wow that's cool yeah that's cool uh I, bighorn gives finisher jackets too i have one of those it's really cool finisher jacket but that is cool um, yeah well hey, advertising um, too yeah i know yeah, right exactly. yeah. what is that? We do that for eternal um, for eternal damnation if they get over 100 miles they're part of the 100 mile club and they'll get like a bomber jacket with their name and the mileage, and the mileage that they got on it too mm -hmm. for our last man standing Oh, is that with the last man staying? What is your mm -hmm. what is your um what is your course record holder on internal elimination? Dina, Dina Carr. Carr. And she actually won four for 30 this last year, too. Uh she's fantastic. She's a fantastic ultra runner in general, but she's really fantastic at that format. Uh 
she did 125 miles last year. Wow. And then second place, which is this, it's not a last man standing conducive to racking up maximum mileage. Like a lot of them are, you know, yeah. it's on the Hell Creek course. Okay. So, um, and then second place was Tim Fryer, who, who just set the record at yep. Pure Hell in 40. So. Yeah, I know. I know Tim. Uh, we've raced before. Uh, we, he beat me. Uh, we were doing a 24 hour and I, was in third place and he stopped and I'm like, why are you stopping? I have an hour left. And he's like, you're not catching me. And I was like, well, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do two more laps in an hour. And it was like, it was like a four mile loop with like 500 feet of gain. I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. So is that the blood run? No, it was a, uh, it was a run out in rapid city. It was a one, one time deal that they did, but yeah. So he he beat me but yeah no there's uh, no shame in getting beat by tim fry uh you know the two people (laughs) that got first and second um i i would gladly get beat again by both those guys (laughs) so both outstanding runners but yeah tim's a super great guy and i'm i'm glad actually i was i had three miles left and he had to he had 10 left and i i looked over and saw him in the chair and i was like tim he's like Justin, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I, th- I, th- I thought that was kind of neat that like he's 130 miles in and he realized and recognized who I was. I'm like, yeah, I was yeah. only like 57 miles in and I didn't even realize who I was. So <laughs> that, that, was Justin, cool. that, that was great. Is that my name? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think both of us were standing there. Both Justin's were standing there. Um, Justin Sinderson from oh, also doing the yeah. 100, 140. So it was kind of yeah. cool that we were all three there, but, um, yeah. and Justin and I had ran Black Hills 100 before together. So, yeah, know all those, uh, crazy runners from the, uh, the east side of South Dakota, but yeah, they're good dudes. Yeah. For sure. So, so walk us through, um, Ultraverse. We hadn't really talked about that. And that's, um, that's a little background on who supports the races. I mean, I don't know. I'm making this up. So tell me, tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ultraverse Supplements is uh, basically two companies in one. Mm-hmm. And it really started out with the supplement company. Casey and I's backgrounds are both in nutrition. We both have uh, master's degrees in nutrition. And so we started Ultraverse Supplements uh, as primarily a supplement company for ultra runners. And then the race company kind of stemmed off of that with Hell Creek. And so we just combined the two uh, in, into one one entity, mm-hmm. I guess. So that's kind of where that came from. But originally, our plan was to just get our degrees in nutrition. And we were actually going to do like a consultation business for people, nutrition consultation. And I was focusing primarily on endurance athletes. That's kind of what I related everything I learned in school to. Uh, is how nutrition relates to endurance performance and specifically ultra endurance performance. Um, But I started looking at other supplements out there and I saw a big hole basically in how people were utilizing certain ingredients. I saw a lot of supplements that were kind of underdosed and saw a lot of supplements that they were just using ingredients Wrong. In, wrong in the incorrect manner. They, they weren't basically um, suggesting that you take them in the correct way. Um, so basically in the last semester of my schooling, we decided, well, let's just try to open up an endurance supplement company. And 
work for ourselves in that manner and not have to give consultations all the time and see where this takes us. So taking a lot of risks in over the years, um, but they seem to be paying off. <laughs> yeah. That does seem like a, a flooded market. That's tough to get into because every yes. time you turn around, there's a, another supplement company or this, exactly. no, there's only a few that, you know, that are big name brand type supplement companies, but yeah. Um, and, and, you know, within the endurance world, there's very few. I mean, your, your tailwind, your scratch, your, you know, your elements starting to make their incoming, but like they don't offer a lot. I mean, tailwind kind of does kind of what I've seen out of your, uh, what is it called? Proxima C. Yeah. Yeah. That's so our that's yeah. A, yeah. Um, and I actually looked into that one before the race because I, I take pride in my nutrition and I, I've done a lot of trial and error on my nutrition. And so yeah. um, I feel like that's what gets me, obviously it's what gets me through the races, but mm-hmm. it's what gets me through the races. If you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much have my net nutrition dialed in, but I, tr- I did some research on proximacy and I looked um, into using some of it and I did use some of it in later the stages of, of the race when tailwind, uh, obviously tailwind fails, fails me as, as it does most people later on in races, but um, and yeah, I was, I was really surprised. Um, it, it's a, it's a cluster dextrin mix is, am I correct? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. So yeah, Mostly I, it's, it's about 60% cluster dextrin. Okay, yeah. cool. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm maybe speaking out of my ass here, but a, a more slow burning, <laughs> um, carbohydrate type fuel that. Yeah. Slower burning, but steady drip, you know, and it really easy on the stomach. And that, mm-hmm. and that was the main thing because a lot of fuels, are made for kind of endurance athletes in general, where we wanted ours to be made to handle the problems that are most commonly seen in ultras. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be GI issues. That That's yeah. the huge one. You know, GI issues lead to more DNFs than any other reason uh, in an ultra. So cluster dextrin, I felt like had to be our base for that because it is the easiest uh, carbohydrate on the stomach. Almost as few gastrointestinal issues when using cluster dextrin as water alone um, is, is what the science suggests. And me, from a personal perspective, I nutrition was my Achilles heel for the first four or five um years of ultra running not not nutrition outside of running but nutrition during the race Mm -hmm. i cannot handle foods very well uh i get really backed up and get really nauseous uh and i know part of that is gut training as well but and fuels i couldn't find a fuel that would sit well with me either they would just sit in my stomach and uh, lead to a lot of nausea and so what i did is i actually switched to efs which is by first endurance because uh, I read a lot about cluster dextrin in that one. I'm not sure the percentage of cluster dextrin in there. I know it's lower than Proxima C, um, but that helped a lot. So, so, and then I just bought some pure cluster dextrin to see if that was indeed what did it. And it, when I started using that, then basically my GI issues went away during the race. That's awesome. Uh, that, was, that was kind of the the thing that helped me more than anything. So when we formulated Proxima, we knew that had to be where we start, but obviously it's ideal to have a multiple transport carbohydrate solution rather than a single carbohydrate. So you can work on different receptors and things like that. Uh, so, so we do have dextrose in there, a little bit of dextrose. We have platinose, which is a super slow burning carbohydrate. basically a um, offshoot of sucrose that has a much lower glycemic index. 
Um, and then we also have a little bit of fructose in there because okay. fructose kind of works on its own transporter. Yeah. So if you're not getting a little bit of fructose, then you're basically not taking advantage of that uh, unique fructose transporter, uh, basically having a little bit of fuel that you're just leaving out there. For sure. So just burn it straight through. Exactly. Do you, uh, what about sodium as far as uh, electrolytes? So as in Proxima C, the sodium is, as far as the amounts of electrolytes mm -hmm. in there, it's very similar to Tailwind in those amounts. Okay. The types of electrolytes we use are different. Okay. Um, and I've got a really cool blog on this. Uh, it's called Why Proxima C is the Best Fuel for Ultra Runners. And you can find that on the website. <laughs> and I go through every single ingredient on that and kind of explain why I chose each one. And then I put resources out there for you. I always put uh, scientific resources out there. But we, a lot of people when they, or a lot of companies, when they choose their electrolytes, they're basically just choosing the cheapest forms of each electrolytes. But there's different forms that are actually better for endurance athletes. Uh, and so we went through those and we kind of picked which ones that we felt were the best. Some might not settle well with the stomach. Some forms of electrolytes actually cause diarrhea. Some forms of electrolytes are not very bioavailable. Um, but yeah, if you get on there and read that blog, I'll take you through every single electrolyte and tell you why we chose that kind. And then I'll also tell you what the most common type used is compared to that. And that leads to a really expensive product because every everything in there is expensive. You know, cluster dextrin is five times the price of maltodextrin. Yep. Um, and all those electrolyte forms are more expensive. But our whole philosophy uh, with Ultraverse supplements and, and the products that we make is that we're going to make the best supplements that we know how to make according to the scientific literature and price be damned. If you don't want to pay that, I, I totally get it, but we're not going to cut any corners on it. The price is going to be what it's going to be because I know for myself, I'm willing to pay it. Uh, and I want to put the stuff in my body. That's going to get me to the finish line in the best possible. Uh, awesome. Time, so awesome. Well, yeah, it was great. I, like I said, I, I did some research on it beforehand and then I tried it and I, I really enjoyed it. So. We need, we need some more flavors. We, mm -hmm. we only have the one flavor and a lot of that has to do with cost, you know, and minimum yep. order quantities. You know, you cannot, you got to order 1500 bottles at a time from our contract manufacturer. So as soon as we have the resources to do so, we'll, we'll definitely be more throwing flavors. out some more flavors yeah. of Proxima. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So I got a little different question here. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've seen or read about all the controversy with the uh, Twin Cities Marathon been canceled yes a little a little bit about that I, I haven't i haven't dug into a very deep though so my kind of question is <clears throat> us as ultra runners and ultra races we're built a little different than marathon runners yeah uh, uh pretty much in the end they were saying that the the heat was too much for marathoners but us as you know trail runners ultra runners whatever we heat train, we yeah. do all that stuff. I mean, there's the bad water. I mean, yeah. So where do you see as where you race direct your races? I kind of see this is where it's becoming more of a little common theme where people are now complaining, oh, it's too hot. Like as your you know last race that it was too hot. Mm -hmm. um, 
how do you navigate that that kind of new little world that's going on with (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah that's a tough one you know it's it's hard to please everyone for sure um and we get questions can hey can we start a couple hours earlier it's going to be really hot well everyone's going to be running in the same and we say no the thing is everyone's (laughs) got to deal with the same conditions no matter like no matter what so yeah we, we pull them from a course if there's dangerous conditions like lightning on the course or something like that but heat i mean it's an ultra you know (laughs) it's supposed to be hard yeah and and that's basically my response to it when when if someone says something like that and that we try to make it clear that it's not going to be easy Mm -hmm. and whatever the conditions are as long as they're not immediately life-threatening the race is happening yeah you know and for the people that want to start earlier, like I said, we tell them, no, everyone's got to run the same race because if you start earlier and you don't have to deal with the heat, then you're not running the same race as the people that do have to deal with the heat. Yep. Um, and then we have to set up earlier too. So yeah, <laughs> true. What we did but, this year though, we knew it was going to be hot. So we threw an extra water station in the longest yeah, stretch yeah. without water out on the hill. Oh my we, gosh. I appreciated that so, so much. Yeah. Both of those water stops. I was like, yeah. oh Yeah. So like we try and like we have ice available, like we try to do what we can to mitigate it at the aid stations. Like and what we said in the pre-race announcement, like what you do between those two aid stations is on you. But we're going to provide what we can to help you at those aid stations. You get to the aid station and we can we can get you cold. We can get you cold before you leave if you want us to. Mm -hmm. You know, we can dump all the ice on you. You want. I mean, we We went through through a lot of ice. (laughs) (laughs) How many how many bags did you guys go through? I don't know how many bags, but it was like five hundred dollars worth. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so much. Like they left it. Like we got all of the ice from the marine out at the lake, and they when they closed that night, they just left the ice outside unlocked for us, and said, "Just keep a tab, and yeah. we'll settle on the next day." And they're a sponsor, so, so we get yeah. ice cheaper. From the yeah. Marine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we got the employee discount and still went through five hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> but that's like, great. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I was. I was so concerned that was going to be a problem. You guys running out of ice. Cause you hear, you hear about it in big races running yeah. out of ice. And so I was so concerned. Running out of like, water. Oh. Mm-hmm. Water at yeah. big races. Oh my God. And dude, there's nothing worse than getting to an aid station when it's a hundred degrees out or even an unmanned water and it's a hundred degrees out and getting that drink and it's hot, Ugh. you know? So, so that's one thing we try to do too. Like we're keeping ice on all the drinks. We have people going out there every, every hour, making sure that there's, ice in the jugs and if there's not we'll put it in because i mean that does a lot to keep keeping your core temperature down too Mm -hmm. is taking in cold liquid as opposed to a to warm liquid Mm -hmm. so you know i hope that kind of answers your question a little bit i guess i don't really feel sorry for people (laughs) too much Uh, (laughs) you know it's supposed to be hard but we're going to do whatever we can to keep you cool out there if it's hot uh keep you safe in whatever conditions there are. And then what happens on the trail, you know, you're responsible for that. And if it's too hard, then don't sign up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's how I look at it too. These aren't meant to be easy. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. You're paying to do this. No one's forcing you to do it. Right. Um, So go out there and enjoy your time, even though if it's hard or, you know, not people just had to adjust their expectations for their paces this year. I mean, you're not 
likely to set course records on the 20 mile loop when it's 95 degrees versus last year when it was 80 degrees. Like yeah. you just, you just have to adjust your expectations. And personally for me, the most rewarding races I've ever had aren't the ones that I've won or anything where everything went right. The most rewarding races I've ever ran and are the races where nothing went to plan. Everything fell apart. I thought I was going to quit on multiple occasions. I thought I was going to DNF and somehow I managed to limp across the line. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, I think that is what ultra running is all about. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones, I mean, every single race that we've been at me and Casey, as far as race directing is concerned, there hasn't been a race. We haven't got choked up. Yet. Oh my God, I mean, yeah. we, we, Put the sunglasses on so people can't see you know but, uh, four in the I mean, morning why are your sunglasses on <laughs> yeah, exactly. but uh, i mean especially the people that are grinding it out the entire race and coming in near the cutoff and stuff that that gets to us every mm-hmm. time and you know when they're flooded with emotion at the finish line we get flooded with emotion and kind of how I ended on earlier in the podcast. I mean, that's what it's all about for us. That's that's why we love doing it. We had stuff. at the 50K this year, we had someone cut it off within like 15 seconds. 15 seconds with a nine hour uh, nine cutoff. Hour so Man, cool. he was, he came across crying. We were crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. My that's boy. great. That's great. But like, that's what we live for. Like, everything was crazy though, because like there were volunteers that were done over at Hell Hill that came back to the start finish. And everyone were just lined up on that roller coaster where you come in yep. to the finish. And there were people just like lined up there yelling for him. Be like, come on, man, you can do it. Like you have to run. Like that's what we live for is like yeah. those environments. And like, that's just the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. Like for him too, how cool would that have been to be like the very last person pushing the cutoff and have all these people there yelling for you and just like wanting you to get it done. Yeah. The, la- the last people always get the biggest ovations for sure. Mm-hmm. And we love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty cool. We always encourage people to stick around. And that's one of the things that makes Cowboys such a cool finish line environment because we end up Bolo Beer and Valentine. And you basically run through our arch straight into a brewery, oh. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and so naturally, all the runners want to stick around. You're in yeah. a brewery. Yeah. And this brewery, this brewery, I reached out to them originally and I just asked them, hey, would you provide beer to our runners? And this gives you an idea of how nice uh, the people are in this area, because we were going to end at a park or something like that. We just wanted to give them, a f- wanted them to give a f- few free beers or something. Um, they said, "Yeah, we can definitely do that, but why don't you just finish it here?" And I said, "Okay." And they, awesome. <laughs> they literally met us twice and gave us the keys to their business and said, "Here you go," because they're not open the entire time that we're there. They're closed yeah. to the public at that time. Because they're open like Wednesday through Friday or Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, and we get there Sunday and they just give us the keys and say, here's this and have fun. And they come and they'll serve beer on the last day. But they basically let us, Chase and I bartend. (laughs) It's just a whole different environment. Super cool. So cool. Yeah, Yeah, what a way to end a race. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So on the last day, you'll have... 30, 30, 40 runners in there drinking beer, crew in there drinking beer. All the volunteers come to the end. All the volunteers. And then every single time we see someone getting close on the GPS tracker, we all go outside to the arch and they just have this crowd. (laughs) That sounds sounds incredible. That really sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. What a way to finish. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
who is somebody that is from your network that, and I know your network is probably really broad being race directors of all these <laughs> races, but um, you know, we all, we say our podcast is for the little man. That's what we say. We yeah. don't have any elite runners on here, or elite cyclists or, you know, anything. We have the, the little guys, the, the, the DFLs and, uh, you know, we had DFL from Western States. We've had DFL from a 50 K and, you know, we, we, that's what we pride ourselves in. I mean, we were called golden hour ventures for a reason. We're, you know, uh, well, at least I am a golden hour finisher. I don't know about Robbie, but <laughs> Robbie's a little bit faster than me, but you know, it's like the, the people that come on that work 40 hours, they have a family, yeah. but they still yeah. get out and train their butts off and go run a hundred miler. Um, and those are the stories that I like to hear. And I'm assuming that everyone else likes to hear as opposed to the same in and out race that you, you know what I'm talking about. But so, (laughs) so that's the kind of guest that we're looking for. We're looking for those people that, you know, give it their all out there on race day. Um, and saying that it doesn't necessarily have to be a runner, but that's kind of where our market is, I guess. So, uh, (laughs) you don't want like a carpenter, right? (laughs) I mean, if he has a good story, let's go for it. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I'm thinking about someone who that I know of hasn't really been on any podcasts. He was a pure hell 140 finisher this year. He's a good friend of ours. And, um, I believe he's a superintendent, mm-hmm. our principal, principal, superintendent, something like that. Um, so he definitely has a job, but he's, kicking butt and he looked awesome in the 140 the entire time and he's also him and Shane Plemons are were the original founders of the Buckleheads which is a run group in the Topeka area uh but his name's Ed West and and he's a super good he's super great guy awesome guy and um I think he would be a really good guest to have on your podcast awesome awesome yeah Yeah, that's that's the stories we want to hear well, uh, though that's the story I want to hear. I don't know if anybody else wants to hear it. But... <laughs> I, I want to hear it. Everybody else wants. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee I'll be tuning into that. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Chase and Casey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I feel like we just hit the surface of your races and your supplement company. Um, but you know, you guys are putting on great stuff, and I definitely want to get, especially after I ran the race, and I was like, oh, we got to get these guys on and and uh, let the let the public know that doesn't know about you guys um, fill, fill them in so they can come out and, and run some of these races and hopefully um, go get one of those cool buckles. But yeah, uh, thanks, we'll get, we'll give you a little bit of uh, time. Shout out who you want to shout out, let people know where they can find you, how they can sign up for the races. Um, just give people the, give people the wants. Yeah. Uh, so basically anything that you want to find about us, uh, our races or our supplements, you can find on one website. And that's ultraversesupplements.com. Ultra as in ultra running and verse as in the last part of universe. (laughs) 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 So uh, yeah, ultraversesupplements.com. Our races are on there. Our supplements are on there. Um, You can find everything there. Each one of our races has its own Facebook page. So feel free to jump in there. We get a lot of engagement in our races because we tend to announce every every runner that signs up in there. Um, so 
check those out. You can kind of see what people are saying about it uh, in those groups as well. I can't help you with Instagram. That's Casey. I'm not very good at it either. <laughs> we have it. We don't use it in time. We don't use it near as much as we should. Yep. We're both old. We're like 70. Yeah. <laughs> but also feel free to reach out to either one of us. You can Facebook message us. You can uh, send us an email at info at ultraversesupplements.com if you have any questions. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I can't wait to come back and running another run another race. It will not be over rocks, hopefully, but <laughs> uh, I can't wait to come back. Um, There's a rumor that Tim Fryer's running the Cowboy 200 next year, yeah. so I think you guys could, but you could get back at him and beat him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've beaten Tim anytime soon. <laughs> cool. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, please uh, leave us a review, leave us a like, share it with your friends. Um, let's get uh, Chase and Casey out there. Go sign up for one of their races. They're incredible races. They have incredible aid stations um, and they're credible human beings. They were at the aid station the entire time that I was there and they were talking to me the entire time. So go sign up for one of their races. Um, but if you like this podcast, please share it. Leave us a review. Leave us a like. Thank you. 